He is worthy of our hallelujahs. He's worthy of all our praise. Amen. It's good, so good to see everybody today. It's good to have two of our students back. Uh, Nate and Justin are here in leadership training at Truett McConnell. So good to see Miss Patty, who told me yesterday she had a double ear infection. And I said, I'm going to pray God will clear that up, and you'll be in church this morning. And she is. It's good to see all of you. And I've got some other exciting news. I think I'm going to share that in the course um, of the message this morning. And just tell you up front, I'm not going to finish the message today. I'm not, I'm not going to preach all of it, but I think I'm going to preach what God wants us to preach today as I have do have some stuff to share with you. When you really think about it, what matters most in life? What matters the most? And as I pondered that question myself this week, that list is really short, okay? And there's a lot of things I get excited about, a lot of things that I value and I prize and I want, but really and truly the list of what matters most is a short list. So many people spend all their lives acquiring stuff, 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 and more stuff. You know, I've preached a lot of funerals. I've preached funerals of elderly people and young people and students. I've been to funerals of babies. And I've never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse carrying that casket. We don't take anything to heaven with us, just the souls that we point to Jesus. Lee Iacocca, who headed up the Chrysler Corporation, some of you are old enough to remember him, he said, here I am in the twilight years of my life when he was older, still wondering what it's all about. He said, I can tell you this, fame and fortune are for the birds. That's not it. Heard a story about an old man who was out walking, and he heard a talking frog across the road. And he walked over, and he picked up that frog, and that frog said, hey, if you'll take me home and kiss me, I'll turn into a beautiful princess. Man said he just put the frog in his pocket and kept walking. A little bit later, that frog said, hey, mister, I'm talking to you. So he pulls the frog back out. And she said, I told you, if you kiss me and take me home, I'll turn into a beautiful princess. Put the frog back in his pocket and kept on walking. Finally, the frog said, what is wrong with you, man? I told you, if you kiss me, I'll turn into a beautiful princess. I'll stay with you for a week, and I'll do anything you want. What's wrong with you? He said, I'm an old man. I know I ain't got a lot of time left. I'd rather have a talking frog than a woman I have to put up with for the rest of my life. So, you know, he didn't value. He didn't, value, he didn't want another wife or a woman, and I, that's not me. I want mine forever and ever and ever. Amen, right? But you got to figure out what matters the most. John 17, Miss um, Katrina sent me a sermon by Pastor Jensen this week from John 17, and I'll share a little bit of that also. I didn't lie to you last week when I said Pastor Roger is preaching this week. He was on schedule to preach this week, but he got invited to go and preach at his sister-in-law's church. So there he is. Next week, we'll begin a sermon series, verse by verse, through the Old Testament book of Nehemiah. I've never preached through the book of Nehemiah. I've preached sermons here and there. We're going to go all the way through the book of Nehemiah, which is timely, timely, timely. The Lord knew we planned our series out for a year that we'd be where we are today as we talk about rebuilding the broken down walls. You hold on to that. That's significant. So as I was listening to Pastor Jensen's message, I thought, I'm, I want to I preach from John 17 as well. So get the picture. I want to get the setting. I don't want to just drop you in there. Jesus had prayed and had talked about in John 14 that he was going to leave them, and he was going to heaven to prepare a place for them. He said, I, in my Father's house are many mansions. And so Jesus was a carpenter by human trade from his stepfather Joseph. And he said, I'm building these mansions, but don't worry about it. Where I go, I'm going to come back and get y'all, and you can go with me, and you'll have a mansion there. He had told them that in John 14. And here in John 17, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's pouring out his heart in prayer to the Heavenly Father. He knew he was about to earthly leave them in just a little while. 
And Jesus showed us in this prayer that we're in a cosmic battle. Every day of our life, we're in a cosmic battle. It's a battle between the forces of heaven and the forces of hell. That doesn't scare me because my Bible says greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Amen? But we got to be aware of the fact that we're the Christian life is not a playground. It's a battleground. And so Jesus is praying some spiritual warfare here. Some commentators have called this chapter the last will and testament of Jesus Christ. If you knew you're about to die, you'd want to teach your followers the most important things, what really matters most. And so he was praying this within earshot of his disciples. So this morning I want us to consider what in life really matters the most. And, and rank in your own mind, where are you today in reference to these things? John 17, beginning in verse 1. If you're physically able, let's stand and honor the reading of the Word of God. After saying all these things, he'd been preaching to them and teaching them, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. He knew his time was running out. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you've given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the Father, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. You see, Jesus Christ was preexistent even before the world in the book of Genesis when God said, let us make man in our image. That's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, I so thank you for the power of your word. Lord, I'm thankful I don't have to stand here and worry today about the power being in a preacher because I don't have it. Lord, the power is in your word. So by the power of your Holy Spirit, take your word and speak to our hearts and challenge us and examine our hearts and help us to see how we're living out with the things that matter most in this life. Lord, if there's anybody here today or listening on the World Wide Web later that doesn't have a personal relationship with you, God, I pray today will be the day of their salvation. Lord, for the rest of us, help us to walk out of this place more determined to love you, more determined to walk in unity and to live for you than we've ever been before. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Number one, you can write this down. God deserves our purest praise. That's what I just read there when Jesus was praying to the Father about giving glory back to the Father. The glory of God is the chief end of man, right? That's why we're here is to give glory to God. He is the reason for my existence. It's all about him. It's all for him. It's not about me. I'm here to give him glory. You are here to give him glory. Why are we not in heaven yet? See, any of you ever wonder that? You know, as a new Christian, I remember, you know, the Holy Spirit's in my life. I'm going to heaven. My papa had just gone to heaven. I'm like, Lord, why, not? why can't I just go to heaven? Because God wants us to give him glory. As long as you've got breath in your body, we are here to give him glory. In the original Greek language, you have the word glory. If I remember, it's doxa. Am I right about that, students? I think that's the right word. But anyway, it means to give praise, honor, and worship to him. And in verse 7, Jesus said this. Now they, that's his followers, know that everything I have is a gift from you. For I passed on to them the messages you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you, and they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world. He's, he wasn't worried about, you know, the world and what the world does. Lost people act like lost people because they're lost. Jesus, and this is about what we're supposed to do as believers, but for those you've given me because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you've given them to me, so they bring me glory. Are we living for his glory alone? 
Are we living to do what God's called each one of us? We all, God has a will for all of our lives, okay? We all have different spiritual gifts. We have different abilities. We have a pastoral advisory team because we're a brand new church. We're, we're not big enough to have a bunch of deacons or anything yet. So we, we lean on the wisdom of these men and we meet with them once a month um, via Zoom. Pastor Jim Purdue, Second Baptist, is our sending church. That's our, our sponsoring church. And uh, Jojo Thomas, who has the Chattahoochee Baptist Association. Pastor Blue, a church planter down in Houston that many of you know. And then Pastor Shane Robertson at Maysville Baptist. And w- those men give us so much wisdom. And I'm like, if I'm going to ask for your advice, I I need to follow your advice. So much of what we do has been leaning on the wisdom of these men. Uh, three of them have been church planters. That's one of the reasons they're on here. They've done what we're doing. Um, but Pastor Jim, they all at the end, Pastor Jim said, I know what Blue's going to ask because he asked the same question. We talk about the church and how God's blessing and the backpack event that we did. And Pastor Blue says, but how y'all doing? Matt and Mike, how are y'all doing? How are you doing spiritually? How are you doing walking in unity? How, how are y'all doing? And I just said, I just got to confess to you, I've, I've struggled. I've struggled some this summer. You know, it's hard. I told you, man, if it wasn't for Rob this summer coming here and helping us, I'd have just said, we, we can't do this. So we haven't done a lot that we used to, but I've struggled. And one of the reasons the devil's gotten in my ear, a lot of my friends and one Robbins are school teachers. Three or four retired last year. I'm like, Lord, my friends are retiring, going to the beach, and you don't call me to plant a new church to reach people, a bilingual church, and I can't, and I just kind of got the mully grubs about that. And it was a week that I'd shared a little bit with Matt, and Matt was down that week, and we showed up that particular Sunday morning in the other room. We had five first-time visitors that Sunday, so God knew what we needed uh, to boost us. We live to give Him glory. For my friends who have retired, I believe they can give God glory in their retirement. They can continue to serve the Lord. But that's not God's plan for Mike. My, God's plan for Mike is that we plant a new church and we reach people that have never been reached before. So God gets glory when you and I do what he's called us to do. Because the, the, the only way to peace, watch this, the only way to peace is through the power of the cross. That's not real sign language, but I remember the first time I went to Brazil on a mission trip, I couldn't speak any, in Russia couldn't speak the language, but I remembered God brought that back to me. The one way to peace is through the power of the cross. And I did that over and over to those kids, and they learned how to do it, and the interpreter told them what it meant. The one way to peace is through the power of the cross and doing what he's called us to do. There are so many great things that need to be done in the world. You could do ministry 24-7, 365 days a year, and hardly scratch the surface of what needs to be done. I don't have to do what needs to be done. You don't have to do it. we got to do what God's called us to do. Verse 4 says we bring him glory when we work for him. Anybody that comes to a church plant, you know there's a lot of work to be done in a church plant. Um, we can't just show up and poof, we have church. Verse 6, Jesus said we give him glory and praise when we tell others about him. So this church plant exists for us to roll up our sleeves and to work and to tell East Hall and beyond about him. He alone deserves our purity purest praise. When we were just singing earlier, how enthusiastic was your worship? Was your mind at the beach or on the Braves who have 200 wins right and or most home runs this early in the season? Was your mind there? I shouldn't have said that because now your mind is there, right? Or were we focused on worship? We are here to give God glory. He don't care that I don't sing that well. He just wants the pure worship of my heart. God expects our purest praise. That's the first thing he expects. Number two, God expects our peaceful unity. God expects our peaceful unity. In verse 11, 
Jesus said, now I'm departing from the world, but they're staying in this world, but I'm coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so they will be united, or your translation may say one, just as we are one. It is important for Christians every day to walk in harmony and love and in unity. And it's the sweetness of this church. You've all said it. We're like family here. Everybody loves each other. We get along. But the bigger a church grows, the more that unity can become threatened. And there are few things in a church that can threaten the unity in a church as much as buying or building a building. I've watched it happen so many times. People love each other. We love Jesus. We want to build. We want to buy. And then they're going to get sideways about the color of the carpet. Going to get sideways. We're going to have pews or chairs. Going to get, people get sideways about stuff. So within the providence of God, here we are. Here we are. We've been here for a little over a year. We felt specifically called to here. These students can tell you it was a supernatural burden to plant this church right where we are. The church, uh, the community center closed the door twice and said, you can't meet here. And we walked across this. Remember, y'all, we prayer walked, and God opened the door, and here we are. The price keeps going up, and they want to go up on us again. We're a small church plant. Many of you, several people let me know um, early on, hey, there's a little church for sale up on Belton Bridge Road. I felt zero leadership of the Holy Spirit at all to look at that church. Not only did I didn't feel led to look at it, Pastor Matt didn't feel to look at it. In fact, honestly, it just repelled me. I just thought, no, I look at that and I see money and, you know, all that has to be done. Well, you know, I think for a season, this is where God has us. And I, I'm of the opinion, and I think some of you are too, that God is getting ready to move us and to give us a permanent home. You know, we planted in East Hall. We still want to reach East Hall. I'm not going to entertain any conversations of any church plant, any building outside of East Hall. This is where God called us to be. This community needs a touch of God. But the people, the families that we have reached, like the Ledfords and others, if we weren't here, we weren't out there for that event, might have never crossed paths and touched your family. Same with Desiree. The fam God's sending us families from White County, from Habersham County. They're coming from up there. Many of you live from up there. So the Lord starts to kind of tenderize my heart about it and think, maybe you ought to go look at that building. Like, Lord, I ain't been interested in that building. Had a conversation with Randy, and Randy talked to me about, hey, was it time to think about a building? He, you're the first human I told. I said, you know, Randy, I can't believe I'm saying this, but, but God is starting to at least tell me to be open to it. So I was open. I made some phone calls. I reached out to that real estate company three times. They never called me back. I reached out to Miss Katrina, one of our founding members, who just happens to be a real estate agent. She got an answer just like that. Miss Katrina got an answer just like that. The church is on 7289 Belton Bridge Road. It's a tiny little beautiful historic church founded in 1894. The building is only, I think, about 50 years old, the main building. So, so Miss Katrina made the appointment. We're going to go look at it. I'm like, okay, you know, Lord, maybe. I ain't excited about it. I don't feel, I'm just like, we're just checking it out. We had our pastoral advisory team meeting and said, what do you guys think? They were all over it. You know, Pastor, Pastor Blue said, Mike, even if it ain't big enough to have church there, it gives you a place. You can have Sunday school. You can have fellowships. You can have college. It gives you a place. And Pastor Jim's like, what are they going to do with the money, Mike? He said, churches that close usually donate to a thriving ministry. They said, you just need to ask them to give you that building. Tell them you'll pay the closing cost and all that stuff. So I'm like, I, sweet, pa Pastor Matt and I went from, we ain't really interested to like, 
God could be doing something. He'd already tenderized my heart. I told Randy that. So we'll go up there and look at it. Miss Katrina was there, and Pastor Matt Gracie heard about it, one of our students from South Georgia, and she came over there and met us. And I said this. I said, y'all, I feel like I'm at home. And Gracie said the same thing. I don't look at that property and see what I see. Now, I look at that property and I see vision. I look at that property and I see what God can do. The former pastor of that church, I was his pastor, was Darren Crocker. Used to, I was Darren's pastor, so I called Darren. Darren's great-grandparents helped start that church. Darren's daddy's buried in that cemetery. Darren will be buried in that cemetery. Uh, Miss Pat Richmond, a dear friend of ours and a supporter of our church, has family that's come through that church. Miss um, Debbie Smith, another dear friend of ours, she was saved in that church. So Pastor Blue said, you want to do some homework and find out what kind of church met there and what were they about. So I called Darren. Darren said, Mike, we were not a typical Methodist. We didn't even know it was Methodist. He said, we were a shouting, praise the Lord, hallelujah kind of church. Darren said this. In fact, one time my aunt got so excited in her Bible, she jumped up and busted out one of the windows of that church. And I thought, all right, the Holy Spirit's in that place. I'm interested. We'll look at it. So we went and looked, and it has great potential. Some of you already know this because you've already looked at it even before we ever did. It has great potential. Pastor Darren said, Mike, comfortable you can seat 70 to 80 as it is right now. Well, you know. Launch Sunday, we had 120-something. Twice we bumped up to closer to 100. Um, so we, we understand first Sunday, if God gives it to us first Sunday, I'll be preaching two services. We'll start out that way until God provides for us. Um, we got outside, and I'm hacking and coughing, and Pastor Matt's making fun of me. And I'm like, if I got to preach in that building like it is now, y'all going to have to listen to me hack and cough every week. The carpet's musty and all that. So even if the Lord gave us the building, we've got to raise money to make it inhabitable right now. Um, so we looked at it. It's at 7289 Belton Bridge Road. The church has a very rich history. Katrina has a dear friend, Miss Omi Millwood, is her name right? She's on the board at Free Chapel, and she came and met with us there. She has bought and sold churches as a real estate agent, and we're down in that old nasty basement. There's this much, you can see this much daylight under the, one of the bottom doors, so you know critters are in there. There's evidence of critters in there, right? I ain't a snake handling church. We've got to take care of that too, right, if God gives it to us. And we're down in that nasty basement, and Miss Omi says, this is Free Chapel. She said, this is exactly the kind of building that we started in at Free Chapel before Pastor Jensen ever came here. She said, we had 2.3 acres. This is how much? That's about 2.3 acres as well. So she's telling me this. I mean, my mind's just going crazy thinking about the possibility, the possibility of what the Lord can do there. We see the neighbor man down there. He's out in the yard. Two men are in the yard. And I'm like, I just want to go talk to him. And Gracie said, we're South Georgia. That's what, let's go. Said, How's your mom and him? So me and Gracie, we marched down there and start talking to the man. We're soaking wet with sweat, sweating BBs. And, and finally, Pastor Matt and Katrina came down. Mr. Norton is his name. Not the Norton Real Estate Company that has the building, but Mr. Norton. He came over, spent hours with us, walked the property, told us some of the history. Pastor Darren pulls up in his pickup truck. He starts telling us all about the church. He took me in and showed me a church history book of the church. I'm a student of history, okay? And for my college degree, I got 20 hours of Southern history. I honor and I respect history. So if the Lord gives us this, I want to honor the history of that church. I want to honor. They've been there since 1894. So you pray. The Lord has been, Miss Omi said, here's what you do, Pastor. You write a letter and share the vision of your church and what God's called you to do, what God's already done, and you submit that through the, through the broker, through the real estate agent, and they have to show that to the United Methodist Conference. That's who owns the building, the United Methodist Conference. Well, there was a Truett McConnell student 
who's now a Methodist pastor, who's involved in the Methodist denomination. Pastor Matt knows him. He's meeting with them this Tuesday morning. He's going to share with them. He knows Pastor Matt. He knows our vision. You pray for that meeting as he meets and as he shares with them. So we can just see the fingerprints of God all over it. I see such great potential there. I ha- the part of church planning I hate the most is raising money. I just, I just, I'm out of my comfort zone asking people for money. I just am. God provided 100 and what? We raised $130,000 in six months. So I'm, we, he's done it before and he can do it again. There are grants and things available for church plants. Pastor Jim Perdue said the Baptist builders, you ever heard of the Baptist builders? They're down in Perry, Georgia. If my understanding is right, if you pay for the materials, they'll come and build for you. So we'll have to do some stuff to make room even right now. And I said, if we can just get in the worship center and start using it, we can renovate along and along. So you pray for God's wisdom. As I write that letter, I messaged Katrina. I said, the Lord's just showing me all kind of stuff to put in that letter. She said, that's been my specific prayer, that the Lord would tell you what needs to happen in that letter. Since 1894, they've been a lighthouse in the community. Many people are upset that church is not meeting anymore. There are people that's not going to come here in a community center, but they ride by there every day. Their grandparents are buried there. They got family buried there. This man we met and his friend, they're both going to be buried over there. There's a love in that part of Lula for that place. I think we can reach some people that are not in church right now. Which We don't exist just for us. We exist to reach people that aren't in church. So you make that a matter of prayer, but I know because I've seen it before. A church building, a church relocate. Most churches that relocate, they lose people just like that. When Second Baptist Church was in downtown Warner Robins many years ago, they moved. They lost people just like that because they didn't like it. They don't want to leave downtown. It happens. We got to be in one accord we got to be of one mind. Jesus said, make them one just as we are one. What's more unified than God the Father and God the Son? That's the greatest kind of unity. Jesus prayed that his people, his church, would be united as one, even as he and the Father are one. We who make up the body of Christ, we who claim the name of Jesus, we're here to build each other up, encourage one another, and not to tear each other down. But we know, some of us have lived through it. Sadly, the Christian army is the only one that shoots its own wounded sometimes. You get wounded, you mess up in the Christian army, and folks will shoot you and throw you to the side. I'm telling you, if you're listening to this online and you're a drug addict, you are welcome here. You sit, sit with me and my wife if you're a drug addict. If you struggle with alcohol like I used to, you are welcome here. Come and sit with me and my wife. If you're a single mom and you don't feel like you come to this church and sit with me and my wife. If you've had an abortion, you come to this church and we will love you. Sit with me and my wife. If you're going through divorce, I'm a child of divorce, understand, you are welcome here. We are a church for everybody. We don't cast anybody out. And we're not going to put up with foolishness troublemakers but you come here Galatians 5 16 says but if you're always biting and devouring one another watch out beware of destroying one another Matthew 12 25 but Jesus knew their thoughts I ain't got to say anything he knows my thoughts he knew their thoughts and he said to them every kingdom divided itself is brought to desolation and every city or house divided against itself will not stand If Satan cast out Satan, he's divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? Church unity is always important. But if we're going to make a move like this, if God is in this, we've got to make sure we are in one accord, one mind, one accord. You see the, the progression? He talks about the kingdom, the big kingdom. talks about the city. 
the house and even the individual. It's not about Satan being divided against himself. Pastor Jensen said, flip that thing around and you see how it starts. It starts with an individual out of fellowship with the Lord. If I'm not at fellowship with the Lord, that's going to affect my family. My family's going to be out of sorts. Then it's going to spread to my church and my city and my kingdom. It boils down to the individual's walk with God. Each one of us better know that we're right with God and walking in the power of his Holy Spirit. Remember in the book of Acts, we went through the book of Acts verse by verse as we were planning to start this church. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Pastor Jensen said, unity is the landing pad of the Holy Spirit. Boy, I got so excited. When I heard him say that, I had a Baptist spell. Unity is the landing pad of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit didn't blow in that place till they were in one spirit and of one accord. If we're going to go to the next level, and many of us are sensing, nobody's told me I don't think we ought to do this. Nobody I've talked to said, I don't think we even need to look at it. I think, I think we're there. The time is there. When Gracie came, you know, part of our dream, part of our vision, is to not only touch our community, but to be a laboratory for students who are preparing for ministry. Gracie said it's 20 minutes closer to Truett McConnell University, closer to where most of y'all live. Gracie said, we've been, we invite students all the time, and they say, wait, how far is your church? 45 minutes? Oh, it's too far for us. And thanks to Uncle Joe, the price of gas is going up higher. I heard it may get higher than it's ever been, I heard last week. So Gracie was pumped. She said, I feel the Spirit of the Lord here. Pastor Jensen told the story of elephants. Did you know that elephants are really the king of the jungle? We say lions. Lions are not the king of the jungle. Elephants are the king of the jungle. They can weigh up to seven tons. That's the weight of a school bus. Their tusk can grow 10 feet long and devour anybody else. An elephant has no natural predator. Even a lion can't kill an elephant. An elephant has no natural predator except another mature elephant. Only if they fight against each other. They, they get easily agitated during musk season, and they get aggressive, and it's all about domination and wanting to have control. I thought, well, that sounds like a Baptist business meeting I've been in before, and some deacons meetings I've been in before. There's, there's a spiritual application. Elephants can fight and even kill their own family. All they want to do is that domination. And then the champion elephant kills the other one, and he walks away oblivious to all the people who were just hurt. He walks away oblivious to the little kids that might have got trampled in the fight. And that sounds a lot like what happens sometimes in churches. When these giants are fighting, those big old elephants, you can feel the vibration on the earth. Somebody said to me in one church one time, Pastor, I don't know what it is, but something ain't right. You don't have to tell me, but we sense it. We know that something is not right. When giants are out of sort with each other, the tension is there. The only hope for Satan to get us as giants, because we got the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We're more giants than elephants. Only victory Satan can have is to turn us on each other. Christians in unity, walking in unity with the power of the Holy Spirit, can terrorize and terrify hell because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. No weapon formed against us shall prosper when we're walking with the Lord. Proverbs 15:1. A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. 15.4, gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. So my words, whoever said sticks and stones will break my bones, but names can never hurt me, that's a lie. I don't know who made that up. That is, names can hurt us. 
words won't. What Russian Lava used to say, words mean things. When I use words, there's meaning attached. So the, my words, my text, my emails, my letters, all of that stuff can hurt and wound people. Jesus prayed in John 17 that his church would be one. Christian unity and community. When a lost world sees that, that points them to Jesus because we're here to give him glory. So when folks look at the church today in general, not just us, when they look at the church in general today, are people walking in unity? Are people standing strong for the Lord? Well, yeah, in some churches they are, and God is blessing them. But there are churches that are revolving door. People come, people come and people go. Preachers come and preachers go. There is a reason for that. Brother Carl Marshall, I shouldn't have said his name, recorded, is 83 years old. Some of you may know Brother Carl. He's a pastor in this area. Extremely successful pastor in the 1970s. He pastored in Daytona, Florida. It was radical back went out on the beach and reached the hippies and the drug addict. God's blessed him tremendously. And he said he was at, at doing an interim at a church one time. And they said, Pastor Carl, you're, you're, you're older, you're wiser. He said, we just can't keep a preacher here. Why do you think that is? And he said, y'all... He said, they looked at him. He said, other people come and go. Y'all the ones that are still here running everybody off. Well, that's a bold step. When you're 83 years old and you ain't got to worry about a paycheck, you can, you can speak stuff like that. I don't want that to be the reputation of our church. We want to be a church of unity and love where anybody and everybody can be transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is amazing. One draft horse can pull two tons. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? Two draft horses can pull how much? I would think four, right? Two and two. Two of them walking in unity can pull 23 tons. If we walk in unity under the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit of God, we seek His face. Miss Katrina is going to see if there's a time this week that we can all go out there and look at it and, and pray over the property and just seek the Lord's will. That's how we got this building right here. It took prayer walking over this building and praying for it. We're going to go out there and pray. Miss Katrina, let us know. We'll get that word to you. But wh what in the world might God do? When Miss Omi in that old, nasty right now building with evidence of critters, when she said, Mike, this is free chapel. This is where we started. Boy, my mind went crazy. Not a lot of property there, not a lot of room for growth, but there is a big slope down the hill there. And the Lord just showed me, you just go in there, you pour concrete, and you put seats there, and you have the podium. I mean, well, there's just so much we can do there. You pray. If it's the Lord's will, he makes it happen. They're asking a quarter of a million dollars for it. Well, all of us together don't have that. But since 1894, Living Hope Mission has been a lighthouse in that community for people to be saved. If we show the Methodist denomination that's our heart, why would you not want somebody to come in there and keep doing that? Pray that God gives us favor with them. Even if they just said, here are the keys, it's yours. we got to pay closing costs. we we got to do some stuff to make it happen. So I serve a big God. I was talking to Brent and Adele, uh, Adele who led worship for us last week. He said, that ain't nothing to my God. I said, well, 10 million ain't nothing to my God, but okay. But we got we to work and trust and fast and pray and ask God to do it. If we truly come, to, come together, because here's the reason some folks don't come to church, because they've been before. They've been before, and they see how Christians fuss and fight and backbite over, you know, what color the carpet's going to be, whether or not you got pews or chairs. Or we got to lay all that mess aside. We got to lay all that mess aside. Uh, years ago in Seattle, Washington, the Special Olympics were being held there, and there were nine special needs, you know, emotionally, developmentally, mentally, um, physically disabled. They set out on a hundred-yard dash in the Special Olympics. One young man stumbled and fell on the asphalt, and he started to cry. Little Down Syndrome girl came over and gave him a little kiss and said, this will make it all better. All nine of those special needs kids locked arms and they walked across the finish line together. 
Why is it in the church of the living God, if a Christian messes up, everybody wants to pile on and shoot them. If we lock arms together, we pray, we trust the Lord, we ask God if this is his will for us. Y'all, with a, we're paying almost $3,000 a month rent right here. Pastor Jim Perdue said, Mike, that's a house payment. Well, I'm not interested in a house payment. I'm interested in what God can provide, okay? So you pray. August the 31st, I'll be in my hometown at Pena Baptist Church in Cordell. Some of those women diapered me when I was a baby. I'll be, we'll have some special worship there from their praise team. I'm going to, we are going to provide a free meal for them, our, our tithes and offerings. We'll show the video of our launch Sunday. I'll present the dream, some stories of what God's done here. And I'll ask them to get involved and pray. This was on the books before I had any thought of looking at another building where God guides, he provides. I'm planning to do another one in Warner Robins. I haven't planned that yet, but a lady heard about it and said, Mike, are you planning a dinner in Warner Robins? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, me and my daughters, we cater, we'll cater that for you. God is at work. So this is nothing for him. I, whether it's us or not, I know it's the will of God for that church to be a light. Whether it's transformation or some other church. We're going to take this church to the next level. We've got to give God our purest praise. We've got to walk in complete unity. And I'm almost out of time, so I'm going to skip all the way to the last point. Number five. I'll go back to others maybe another time. Number five, look at verse 24. Jesus prayed, Father, I want these whom you've given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. Number five is God promises a prepared eternity. Well, it's number three for you since I skipped two of them. God promises a prepared eternity. Jesus prayed in verse 24. He wants his children to be with him in heaven. In John 14, he said, I'm already going to prepare that place. Jesus wants me. He wants you to be with him in heaven. Jesus wants people in East Hall to be with him in heaven. Jesus wants families on Belton Bridge Road to be with him in heaven. Jesus wants people in Lula and Habersham and Cornelia and Clarksville to be with him in heaven. So we must keep that eternal perspective in mind. You know, we're going to face battles. We're going to face struggles. We're going to face betrayals. We're going to face more. But it's like the old songwriter, old songwriter said, it'll be worth it all when we see Jesus. When we stand face to face in his embrace and thank him for that amazing grace. Oh, what a moment when we see him, I'm as sure for heaven as if I've already been there 10,000 years. Not because I'm a nice guy, not because I'm a preacher, but because of the blood that we sang about earlier. The blood of Jesus has atoned for my sins. And Jesus prepared the way. And I accepted his gift of salvation. And I know that I'm going to heaven. I know it's a real place. I know it's a prepared place. I know the older I get, the more of my family members are in that place. It matters where you will spend eternity. It matters where Belton Bridge Road will spend eternity. And so I can't live from the perspective of this world. I need to live with a heavenly perspective. When I do that, I'm not going to get bent out of shape about trivial things. What's the nursery going to look like? What's this going to look like? I'm just going to say, God, give us a place we can be a lighthouse up in Lula and be closer to where many of our members already live and many unchurched people are. When we do that, then before I open my mouth, i got to ask the question, what difference does this make in eternity anyway? What difference does it make what color the carpet is? What difference does it make whether I got a chair or a pew? What matters is eternal things. If I keep that in mind, not only is heaven prepared eternity, but hell is prepared eternity. The Bible says, not all who say to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. The meanest people I've encountered in my life have been church people. I'm not saying Christians because some of them I just don't know. The Bible says, narrow is the way that leads to life, but broad is the way that leads to destruction. 
Just because you say you're a Christian and dress like a Christian and try, hey, only God knows your heart. Have y'all seen this statue, the thinker? Have we got that picture? Okay, there's the famous statue of the thinker. You've probably seen it. it it's, it's a man. He has no clothes on, and he's leaning like this with his, with his arm, you know, his, his knee, his arm on his knee, and he's right there, and his jaw is clenched, you can tell from the sculpture. You can see all the muscles. I think that's how the sculpture made him nude. You see all the muscles in his back? They're tense. His, his hands are tense. His toes are tense. It's, you know, it's a famous work of art. You know what I didn't know? The sculptor, August Rodin, said, this is why. The thinker is pondering souls that are in hell. I never knew that. Did you know that? Next time you see that statue, he's clenched, he's grimaced, he's troubled, he's worried about all the people that are in hell and the horrors they're experiencing in a place of eternal torment. It matters whether people in this community go to heaven or hell. It don't matter if I meet here or on Belton Bridge Road. What matters is we give them eternity. If it's the will of God for us to have Belton Bridge Road, I believe we can reach more people there. It should bother me more than anything else. That the majority of people I come in contact with on my Nabisco job, the majority of people in my neighborhood and in your neighborhood are lost and on their way to hell, and we got the answers. That ought to trouble me more than where I sit down in a church, where my seat is, or your seat is, or any of that stuff. Where are you preparing to spend eternity? How are you helping your friends and family members prepare to spend eternity in heaven? According to verse 24, the Savior is waiting. If I could sing, I'd sing it for you, but I can't. But the old hymn says, the Savior is waiting to enter your heart. Why don't you let him come in? There's nothing in this world to keep you apart. Oh, how he wants to come in. Time after time, he's waited before, and now he's waiting again to see if you're willing to open the door. Oh, how he wants to come in. If you don't know Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life in this room or on the World Wide Web, the reason I think the rapture hasn't happened, the reason you haven't died, the Savior's waiting to enter your heart. He says, if you, got, you, got to, if you hear him knocking at the door, we have to open the door. My God is a gentleman. Jesus isn't going to force himself on anybody. you got to choose to open the door and let him come in. Are you ready? Are those around you ready? Are we ready to take a step of faith and ask God to give us a very old building that needs a lot of work? Are we ready? we got to give him our purest praise. We got to walk in unity. I got to put my personal preferences aside and say, what's the will of God? And then we got to be prepared for eternity so that we can help others prepare for eternity. Would you pray with me, Father? Thank you. You deserve all the glory. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for a nobody like me, a troubled kid from a broken home living in a mobile home on Cemetery Road in the middle of nowhere. You sent Jesus to die for a nobody like me. God, I thank you. I praise you for that. May I never get over what you did for me when you saved my sorry behind as a 15-year-old child. Although I'd heard about you my whole life, Lord, thank you for that night when I completely understood that Jesus died on an old rugged cross in my place. Jesus, who never sinned, born a virgin and never sinned, it took a perfect sacrifice to fulfill Mike Dura and the sins of the world, sin debt. Thank you that he willingly died on that cross in my place. Thank you that three days later he rose out of that borrowed tomb and he's alive today. He's still transforming lives. He wants to transform lives. Thank you, God. It's an honor that you choose to use people like us to point other people to you. So, Lord, help every one of us today to examine our hearts, to make sure that we're not just a church person, but we're a Christian. We've got Christ in our life. 
Lord, help us to make sure that more than anything else, our main concern is giving you the purest praise. Lord, help us to go out of our way to walk in perfect unity and help others prepare for eternity with you. So even right now in this place as we have our time of invitation, speak to hearts, Lord, the soul that may be closest to eternity without Jesus. I pray today will be the day of their salvation. Lord, there's been somebody struggling. I confessed I was struggling earlier this summer. Lord, I'm so thankful. First John 1, 9, you say if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart God raised him from the dead, uh, we can be saved. First John 1, 9, Lord, you tell us if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So for the Christian that's discouraged, Christian who may be walking in disobedience, thank you that you allow U-turns. Help us to claim 1 John 1, 9 today. Thank you for your spirit that speaks. That speaks truth at the right place and the right time. So Lord, collectively today, we beg for your will. Lord, we beg if it's your will that that property just might be donated to Transformation Church. Lord, if there's another plan and we got to raise a bunch of money, your word says you own the cattle on a thousand hills. God ask you to let some folks slaughter some cows and help us come up with the money. To buy that building, not that people can talk about us, but there once again will be life on Belt Bridge Road. As people drive by, they'll see our transformation flags waving. They'll know that life is happening there. And just as you've done since 1894, the name of Jesus is being praised in that building and souls are being saved again. We ask you to do it, Lord, for your glory. And Lord, if you close that door, I'm going to praise you anyway. That just means you've got a different plan for us. So we tell you we just want to walk in humble humility and unity under you. And we know you'll be most glorified when we do that. In the name of your son Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen.